Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading, and I'm joined as ever by my uh, fellow editor and co-host, Kelsey Zeiser. Hey, Kelsey. Hey, Phil. How's How are going? things? <laughs> Jinx. Too <laughs> <laughs> good. It looks like it might snow here, so that'd be cool. Oh, what that is, and and is that unusual for? Your neck of the woods. I'm wondering how yeah. much, how many, I know you're by or closer to water than I am. So sometimes maybe you get more snow than I do. Yeah, we don't. Um, it, it seems like maybe once a year we'll get a little bit of snow and then every couple of years we'll get for us what's a, a decent amount and then everything shuts down and people panic and buy up all the bread and milk, and, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't understand because oh, I'm always like, if your power goes out, you can't get to your milk so um yeah i know um that's a that's a weird it's a weird habit people have of like overstocking during yeah. um, <laughs> snowstorms and stuff so so you're in uh in raleigh uh north mm-hmm. carolina um just for re- listeners who are just joining us i'm in uh, fort worth texas and i and we've actually had snow a, um, a, an actual significant snowfall this year um just just one time but it actually stuck on the ground um, hung around for four or five hours and then finally melted away. But we had like a good, you know, two or three inches of powder on the ground, which just never happens in North Texas. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. The pictures um, look beautiful. And the fact that it, it started to melt almost immediately, you know, just, just hours after it landed and, and stuck means we, I did not get a chance to run to the store and overstock on everything. <laughs> so, um, I, I just simply, uh, uh, I just simply, you know, went out and just bought more cake and cookies than usual, um, for for no apparent reason. (laughs) That's what we do. (laughs) Um, anyway, uh, we, uh, had a podcast guest, uh, from BT, um, we're talking about AI data science research. And so, uh, the person who heads BT's applied research division, Detlef Nauk, uh, is on our podcast. And um, we just just really wanted to find out a little bit about how BT uses AI and, and how that leads to automation inside the network and just generally what they're, what they're looking into and what they're doing mm-hmm. with AI. Yeah, we had a great discussion with him about um, some of the best practices for AI and also some areas where, you know, you maybe not use it. Um, and he discussed a little bit about how when it's working well, customer probably doesn't even notice it because it's um, detecting and fixing anomalies in the network automatically, um, which I feel like they should get some, yeah. you know, gratitude for <laughs> just because when you, you know, when you generally have a, a problem, uh, customers can get pretty angry, but um I don't know if it was me working on that. I'd be like, but there's yeah. all these things that I've done for you that you didn't even know. And <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder if, uh, if people on the, on the, on telco AI teams that work in like uh, fixing network issues before they happen, if they have like a complex where they don't get enough credit. <laughs> yeah. I hope they don't feel underappreciated for all the things that they're doing in the background. <laughs> Right. Maybe they, maybe they overcompensate like all their coffee mugs say like number one champ or something like that. World's best engineer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. World's best engineer. (laughs) Well, Well, 
just if if you're if you're an AI and you're you're out there, we see you and we thank you for keeping yes, things going. we appreciate you and. And part of that appreciation is calling more attention to what you do and how hard you work and what's going on behind the scenes. So please do, um, uh, you know, uh, grip your uh, your your world your your number one champ coffee mug with both hands and settle in as we uh, do our interview with Detlef now. Welcome to the podcast, Detlef Nauk. He is the head of AI and data science research for BT's Applied Research Division. Hi, Detlef. How are you? Hi, Phil. Hi, Kelsey. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Great to have you. Uh, Kelsey was uh, was just telling me that uh, that she's impressed with the title, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and 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 politely was wondering, you know, like uh, exactly how you fit it all on a single business card. <laughs> that, that, that must be a challenge. Yeah, we, we don't do business cards anymore. We just do email, so it fits nicely. That's, that's, oh, that works. That, that'll, <laughs> yeah, funny. that allows for all kinds of uh, creativity. <laughs> now, seriously, I do have a question about your, uh, you know, about your uh, your role inside of uh, BT. Um, I'm curious about how big the team is that you work with, and and what the um, what the day to day focus on that, uh, you know, of, of your team is. Yeah, so I look after the. Uh, research program for AI and data science for BT. And that means uh, my responsibility is to uh, develop and steer um, this program, and which is then uh, carried out by a number of uh, research groups that we have um, in what we call applied research. And across these groups is about 30 people in this program. And um, so my responsibility is to look after the work and uh, then engage with stakeholders across the business. So I, I talk to the data science and machine learning teams in, in our different um, market-facing units. I talk to the IT people and the IT enterprise architects. I talk to CTIO, basically different types of stakeholders who want to use AI and data science in operations and uh, our role in, in research is to basically scan ahead what's coming, uh, evaluate the kind of technologies that make sense to downstream into the business, and then help the business with implementation of these kind of methods in their day-to-day -day operations. That sounds like a big job, and it reaches across just about every part of the company. Yes, it does. Yeah. So uh, applied research has a, has a function uh, place across the whole company. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel like there are some areas where AI and ML are um, best uh, suited in telecom and the service provider space and some areas where, um, you know, maybe it wouldn't be as well suited? Well, for us, it really goes across the board. So we, we use AI in the company for 20 plus years already. And initially, we started out with what you would call like the classical AI, which is like optimization and search. And in, in uh, telecommunications, obviously, what we have is a mobile workforce who has to go out to customers to install communication services. And um, planning this uh, work schedule for this workforce and making sure that the right engineer turns up at the right job at the right time is a massive scheduling uh, effort. And that is something that we have done through AI 
for uh, almost 20 years, I'd say. And this is something that came out of the research program. So we initially developed these kind of methods, road tested them, and then downstreamed them in, in, in the business. And then after that, um, we applied um, AI for um, network planning, which is another kind of optimization job, right? Which piece of kit to put where in, in the geography, basically. And that uh, is supported by AI. And these kind of programs have then developed. So in um, kind of, um, if you have to plan the workforce and you have to um, basically forecast the kind of work that will come into the workforce, then you go into predictive methods and uh, trying to basically say what sort of work can we expect to come into the company based on the kind of products we have out there and what sort of skills will we need at what uh, time in in, in a maybe two year two year time horizon so we're actually planning ahead in terms of what we need in terms of skills and um, uh, workforce strength based on not only the products and the demand in the market but also on things like climate change and weather patterns and see how they might potentially impact um, the kind of work that comes into into the business then now we're looking at uh, AI in, in marketing, which is a very obvious application. So like things like um, upselling, cross-selling, churn prevention is uh, done through machine learning models um, that is applied to, to customer data. Um, but we also explore uh, things like um, image analysis. So uh, we have an interesting use case where we take pictures of our street cabinets where we have the electronics for broadband. So mm -hmm. we ask engineers when they're working on a cabinet, take a picture. And then we have a, a deep network that classifies these pictures into how much space there's still left in, um, <laughs> in, in the cabinets cool. because yeah. the inventory lags behind a little bit, right? So it's... Um, right. I could use that in my kitchen too, I think. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Different kind of cabinet, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. She. He's not. He's. He's looking for <laughs> network capacity, not not. Can he fit more dishes right. in, above the cupboard? <laughs> that would be nice. Like though. electronics, really. So it's racks are full of electronics. Is does that help with? Uh, does that help mitigate like unnecessary upgrades or or sort of you know help you kind of resource plan a little bit more accurately that 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 image recognition exactly that's the idea right so if you if you know where you still have room for more broadband lines in the street then obviously mm -hmm. you can plan much more correctly uh, where you deploy maybe new street cabinets where you uh, can still fit customers in and, and that's that's a very important kind of planning mechanism for us i have a question about the workforce um projection ability of AI and sort of how BTs um, employed that, um, th does that become, um, I would say, a, a much more difficult job now that people's roles have been changed, you know, with the cloud and with other types of automation? It seems like people are entering the workforce doing one specific thing, and then five years later, they've got a multitude of jobs you know, that they're, that they're doing it. I'm just curious as to how that, uh, um, how you account for that or, or how, how accurate AI could be in those kind of circumstances. 
Well, when we apply AI, it's the, the traditional engineer who, who goes out to the customer and does kind of physical installation. So oh, okay. the, these roles, um, they have obviously changed because the network technology changes and the kind of skills that are required have changed. And uh, we, we're not using it uh, to plan for kind of IT personnel that, that uh, works on IT programs and obviously has migrated into the cloud. You're absolutely right. So the, the skill set in, in these domains have changed. What we are now seeing is where people who develop machine learning uh, models for like marketing purposes now have to go the extra step and implement it in the cloud and deploy it in the cloud and manage it in the cloud, which requires these kind of new skills that uh, we have to develop. Are there some um, best practices for AI, ML, and data science um, that BT has implemented? And uh, what types of um, employees or, or groups need to be aware of these best practices and, and make sure that they're following them? Yeah. So again, that is a very varied approach across the company because we have different roles. So what we're looking at is um, in, in our research program, what do we need to do to make the whole company AI ready? And you can appreciate that in a massive organization like BT, we have different levels of uh, skill and, and progress in, in, in terms of using AI in different areas. And um, so, for example, we're looking at uh, to taking uh, inspiration from software engineering. When you develop machine learning models, then you have to do testing at several levels. And it's the kind of the obvious test for a machine learning engineer would be to test if the model uh, performs as intended. But you also need to test if the data is any good that you put into your model. And you need to check if the data, when you have your model and it's in deployment, has your data changed, has it drifted away? And you need to be become aware of this. You need to test if the output of a model is still um, giving you the kind of results that you have seen when you built it, or has something there changed? Has the model some suddenly changed the baseline of its predictions? Now, all of these things need to be monitored and tested so that you can operate machine learning models um, in, in real time and basically that you are aware, do you still get the value out of these models that you, that you, are, that you have planned for? Yeah, because it could kind of drift over time as the data changes and you don't want to suddenly have it automating bad processes, I guess, and costing you money or adding delay or whatever. Um, that's 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 fascinating. I'm, I'm kind of curious, like to take Kelsey's question and fast forward it a bit. What do you think, uh, you know, because obviously in, a, in, you know, a company like BT that's running, you know, multiple networks for, you know, customers all over the globe, it's, it's got to be automated. It's got to think toward, uh, you know, more toward automation. What does an AI driven automated network look like in the future? Um, how, how, how do you see this sort of panning out in the next few years? Yeah. And, and when we look at the kind of developments that we see in networks, then automation and the application of AI is almost mandatory. So you, you can't really automate with kind of traditional business rules in in that sort of space so you you need to react uh, in real time you suddenly have um, software defined networks that are much more flexible than the old kind of technology and in order to get the value out of this automation is key and that means 
again, using uh, machine learning methods and AI technology to drive that. And in order to drive this kind of responsibly and accurately, you need to understand what your models are doing. So that, that means you need to be clear what you have uh, in operation, what you deployed it for, how it is performing, and getting a, a handle on this and, and uh, monitoring this in the right way is still something that is in development. So if you look across the vendor space in machine learning, you find that uh, the kind of machine learning operations, the model management, the model governance is still something that is developing. For example, we are working with a telemanagement forum, TM forum, on um, standards in that space. And uh, so basically understanding what do we need to know from a machine learning model so we can uh, appropriately manage it in, in life. And then defining standards around this, which result in APIs, which you can then use to monitor models in life. It also means you need to understand what these models are doing. So the kind of explainability and uh, interpretability of machine learning models um, is important. Do you feel like, um, or I'm sure you get this question a lot, but just as a the natural follow-on to that would be, you know, if, as we're automating more and more parts of the network, do you feel like the, the jobs that are related to network management are going to continue to decline? And do you, um, or do you see that's, being a thing of job, you know, relocation, like maybe maybe it'll create, maybe AI and ML will create other jobs in different places. That's what I think. So the, we, we typically think of um, human in the loop AI. So you see mm -hmm. um, AI models um, fully automating kind of um, the uh, more trivial decisions where you need to do a lot of decisioning in very short time. But the way these AI models operate and um, basically orchestrating the strategy of these models will be controlled by, by people. And so AI models become advanced tools for the network engineers to keep control of the network. Are there any areas um, in the network or, or in the business in general where you would not want to apply AI? Um, for example, are there, are there any privacy concerns um, that come up? Yeah, typically uh, we are, would be skeptical when making decisions about people. So the, um, if you look at marketing, you're already making decisions about people. So you, you obviously we have very strong data protection and, and privacy regulations in that space. But um, if you would move away from this and make uh, more significant decisions about people, then it becomes um, kind of more problematic and you need, really need to understand what you're doing. And then it comes to questions about controlling bias in, in models and, and really being aware that all sort of data that you use for training is always biased and machine learning models, AI models always pick up on bias and amplify this. This is kind of how they are being built. So you, you need to be aware that this is going to happen. and then uh, you have to control for these effects. And this is, again, where testing comes in. So really understanding how biased is your data, how biased is your model that comes out of it, and should you apply it in, in these kind of conditions. That, that's uh, where we keep a, a very close eye on developments. I was just going to say, I would imagine, especially in, in healthcare use cases, that you would want to be careful about 
um, especially right now, <laughs> I'm biasing certain um, groups or, or genders or um, ethnicities and, and make sure that you account for that. Yes, absolutely. So uh, it is known that um, AI in, in health applications is uh, gender biased, for example, or even racially biased. And um, so it's not just in, in facial image recognition where you have this problem. You, you have this problem in, in all areas where you uh, take personal data and make, make decisions about people. And you really need to be aware of these effects and control for it. And um, uh, last question, and we'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up uh, for this episode. Um, is are there places in the network or or that touch maybe consumers or bit or uh, uh, business uh, workers where they've maybe experienced or benefited from AI and automation and not realized it yet? You know, like what ha- what's what's changed recently in the network um, or that that you've observed that's been AI or automation driven that, uh, that that's kind of maybe happening behind the scenes? Well, where we are using it is, for example, in the network is to predict faults and uh, detect anomalies, which we can mm. then react to before uh, the customer even notices that there's a problem. So this is something that is kind of uh, business as usual. And you, as a customer, you wouldn't, you wouldn't notice it. Um, right. You see the use of, um, uh, AI for recommender systems. So in our TV product, for example, you would see recommendations, which is something that people are probably already used to because you, you get it in Netflix and Prime and all of these services. They basically use uh, AI models to to create recommendations. You could argue that this is more obvious to the consumer and they, they realize that something's going on there and um, that the systems pick up on, on kind of previous uh, movies and, and programs they have seen. Yeah, my Netflix account thinks I'm a teenage girl, apparently. That's a whole different problem, but we can, we can talk about that in a different podcast. Um, all right, uh, Detlef Nauk, thanks so much for uh, for joining us and for, uh, for being on the Light Reading Podcast and giving us a glimpse of what's going on in AI research. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yes, thanks very much. That's it. That's our show for today. Thanks to our amazing producer, Tian Fu, for all his hard work editing the podcast. And also a big thanks to our listeners for tuning in and sharing the podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you have any ideas about a future podcast topic or a potential guest for the show, please email us at editors at lightreading.com. Please also tell a friend to subscribe and thanks for listening to the Light Reading Podcast. We'll see you next time.